Welcome to Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today it's all about Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot, as the Amazon princess drawn into World War I by an American spy, played by Chris Pine. Plus, guilty pleasures on television. Sometimes I like to take the low road, and that includes a weird little show about working on a yacht. It's called Below Deck. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. I loved Wonder Woman and her mythological heritage, so for this dynamic superhero, or heroine as it may be, we'll celebrate the history of grapes and mythical gods that watched over vineyards in Greece and the island of Crete for centuries. And my guilty pleasure in wine might be slightly different than Gary's. So I can't wait to get to that part of the show. But first, Gary, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Okay, we saw this film together, and uh, okay, we did drink a glass of wine while we watched the film, which we do regularly. Often. Love this film. Loved it. Loved it a lot until the last 20 minutes, and I just thought the film did what all of these movies do, most of them, not all of them. The good ones don't do it, where they have the big battle at the end, where they call all of their power and (laughs) knock each other off the top of buildings. And, you know, it's her against this guy. I'm not going to say who it is, but, you know, it's just this big display of overwrought ridiculousness at the end of these things. Right. Up to that point, it's the best uh, it's the it's the best summer film by far. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think anything the summer has come even, close to it. Even your Fast and the Furious and, and oh no, so. I don't think that even comes close to this because <laughs> I, I love this. So yeah, I'm I glad did to too. Hear that. And I think she's really fascinating. We've seen her in other films mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. What's the film that you like? She was in the Keeping Up with the Joneses. Keeping Up with the Joneses with Mad Madman Man. Yeah, um, My, uh, John Hamm. Yes, yes. And also, um, you know, she was in two of the Fast and Furious movies. She mm-hmm. was in I think five and number six. I think she played Giselle and did all of her own stunts. You know, she grew up a military brat in Israel, and like all women in Israel, they have to serve two years in the military. Hmm. And she was a combat soldier in the military. I believe it. She is a— She's one tough cookie (laughs) and drop-dead gorgeous. Yes, and what's what's interesting about her character is that she's so innocent. It 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 opens in the in in mythology. Mm-hmm. It opens on an island, on a magical island that's separated really kind of by fog from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's all Amazon women. And you learn why it's only women and there's no men there. You learn her origins, and you also learn that uh, and and there she is, the great the great Robin Wright from House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Is kind of the trainer of all the military, right? Of all the Amazon. She's the women. sister of of the Amazon queen, who is in charge. Who's a general in charge of the military. You know this stuff so well. Well, I I I yes. watched the movie. Well, I did too. But I, <laughs> she she's a chick who's training everything, yeah. and she's really good in this film. Yeah, and. And then they're and, all badasses. I think I can say that <laughs> they're all like they are getting things done and they are taking care of themselves and. They are. They don't really need any men. Well, and I they need to procreate. I, I actually love men. that because within <laughs> the course. Wait of a morning, second. You actually love that? <laughs> no, I just think it's funny that that there's actually a big part of it that the only reason they need men around is so they can reproduce. Everything else they right. can take care of on their own. <laughs> and there's little kids running around, so something <laughs> happened at one point. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and she's a complete innocent. And so what happens when Chris Pine shows? And we'll just you know, like give away this first part of it because you don't want to give away too much of this. But when he shows up. He's in the. He's a. He's a spy, and he's dressed in German attire. He's escaping from the Germans. Breaks through that fog. Ends up on it. Rescued by Gal Gadot, and uh, 
and looks her in the eye and goes, oh my, I mean, if you're going to get rescued, get rescued by this woman. Absolutely. And then she's not really aware of her powers either, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. yet. She's still learning who she is. Right. And rescues and, and then finds out that the world is in chaos. Mm-hmm. The world is in a great war and millions are dying. Mm-hmm. And her heart, she's so sympathetic and to the, that she wants to go out and change that. Mm-hmm. And she's an innocent because she's never seen anything like what she's about to encounter. Well, and I think we've seen a lot of, of interviews with, is it Patty Jenkins, the, the, the director, director. Um, of, of the film, that mm-hmm. that kind of, in how she wanted to, to make sure this character was portrayed. And that is, instead of coming at it as, as, as male superheroes often do with, with rage and anger and, and almost this, and I'm going to get you kind of mentality. Instead, it, she comes to everything with, with love and, and we've never seen a superhero. And a sense of defense. And, and, yes. and, and trying to take care of, of someone. And she's going to, you know, she's, she might, kick your derriere to get there but but it's going to be in a very it's going to be in a a very gentle (laughs) in a loving way there's going to be purpose instead of just just purpose and meaning yeah other than anger yeah you might even die Mm -hmm. yeah 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 probably will (laughs) yeah you probably will there's some collateral damage in this movie but not as much as in most Mm -hmm. of these films Mm -hmm. i don't think and when the collateral damage is really against the germans well and that's i think that that's exactly to to have the the historical reference and i just may not remember enough superhero films i'm just even trying to think of of some in the past few years i mean like suicide squad certainly didn't have this kind of no. <laughs> like there wasn't a historical no. reference as much um to to how all of these i guess captain america kind of came captain out captain america a, does a steeped in reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh even though it's a superhero but it's steeped in reality and it's not it's not a made up world it's a world that's going on with with somebody from a mythological character in the middle of it right I I think she's interesting. I I hope this film goes through the roof. I think it's a great film to take um, older kids. No, no, I'm not going to take a five year old to it, but I take an eight year old or a mm-hmm. nine year old. You know, it's not it's not a movie really about sex, and it's not really about being risque and looking hot. Because as hot as she looks, mm-hmm. she's dressed as a man most of the time, <laughs> and she's looking good, and she's really interesting. I I. You know, it's got Robin Wright, and it's got Connie Nielsen from Gladiator. Which I looked at her the entire time trying to figure out who she was, and yeah. then that's, yes. That, that was uh, that was uh, Joaquin Phoenix's sister. Sister and Gladiator. Yeah, they had some bad stuff going on. Yes. David Thewlis is in this. Mm-hmm. So is Danny Houston, who mm-hmm. used to be the bad guy in a TV show we watched about the big hotel. Yeah, he was a bad guy about the big hotel with with um, with Negan with Negan from <laughs> Magic Walking City? Dead. Magic, Magic City. I think it was called Magic City. Yeah. about about a Miami hotel. Yes, influence of, yeah. of Cuba and all those. Who's things. who's Angelica Houston's yeah. brother? Right, I think Angelica Houston's brother. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is good stuff. Uh, we we don't get these very often, and I'm going to say I think it's been a disappointing summer so far as far as movies go. You know, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but this thing comes along and this. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Once again, it jumped the shark for me with about twenty minutes to go. Well, and I, but I did again, kind of going back to to Patty Jenkins' story and and how long it took her to kind of get this made because it's something that she had wanted to do. I think she said uh, she wanted 
to start yeah. the creation of this back in the, the past, early two thousand. Yeah, like for the past yeah. ten or fifteen years, she's been this idea has has been a thought because Superman influenced her a lot. Which which mm-hmm. we had a, a reference the original to, Superman the original with Superman. Christopher Reeve, exactly a Richard Donner. Film. And who wrote that film? Robert Benton Thank wrote you. the original Superman who wrote and directed Places in the Heart and wrote Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> and wrote and directed Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. So. Uh, well, we're big fans. Of course, Patty Jenkins did Monster back in 2003, which is completely different than this film. That film made eight times its budget back. It was a little independent film, and, and Charlie's Theron won the Academy Award for that film. And that's a that's an honest film and a difficult film. I've only seen it once, Monster, and I will never watch it again. It scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> so it, it's tough. So we're big fans of Wonder Woman. And yeah. I think the message is awesome. And once again, when you when you beat everybody over the head with the same message at the very end for yeah. 20 minutes, it, it dissipates that message a little bit. But boy, it's, it's a really good film and a nice. good message up to that point. Okay, can we kind of talk mythology for for a minute? I wanna, to, I'm going to gonna try to, my, to follow along. Get to my wine pairing. Let's do because I'm going to I'm going to take you down a, a little bit of a historical path, and okay. so you gotta you gotta be with me. But, I'm, I'm there. Um, a few years ago, I had a chance to travel to Greece with New Wines of Greece. One of the the best trips that I've ever had a chance to to go on. We spent quite a bit of time there, including on the island of Crete, where they they believe the oldest wine press is located and it dates back over 3500 years everything is still intact that's what's so fascinating that, that you saw this wine that press that something can be built something 3500 years ago that the slab of land surrounding the the wine press that's kind of located inside a cave is you know those stones and rocks that that built this, that this cave is built around are still there, are still and the there. steps are still there, and yet uh, buildings in East Dallas are falling down <laughs> every other day. I was going to make the East Dallas <laughs> reference as so well, but you just did it to for have, me. Just to have something that is this intact, um, it's a few kilometers from the capital city of Crete, um, Herculon, I believe that's how you say it, I, my, my Greek and Crete is Cretan is not um, very good, so I apologize for my pronunciation. Um, but in standing on this place and looking at this ancient wine press, and it's also one of the oldest olive oil presses, which is also kind of a fascinating reference just to to the history of, of Greece and, and how they truly um, were some of the first um, beings to to make wine and to make and to press olive oil and, and such, this Minoan civilization. Um, that viticulture and and agriculture were s- such a, a part of, of this place. But we're standing on these steps, and our guide tells us to look out over this kind of mountain ridge and says right there is where Zeus spent his evenings with Europa. Now, Europa was a wide-eyed that Zeus was enamored with. Um, I know we're not giving a lot away about who Diana, our Wonder Woman, is, but Zeus seemed to have many. Um, he was he was easily taken by the beauty of women, and we know that just through mythology that Zeus had lots of children. There are lots of babies that that are, are princes and princes, princess and princes and princesses under that that Zeus gave birth to. So Europa was seduced by Zeus, and he took her away to Crete, where she became the first queen of Crete. Oh, that was their vacation spot. And then they, they hung out. They had Minos, and Minos <laughs> was their son. 
and then um, the the god of wine that we know now is Dionysus is the son of Zeus, but he's also the daughter the the daughter of Minos and Zeus came together and had Dionysus. Is that how we got Rosé? Well, we have, so basically <laughs> Zeus might have had a child with his niece. Yeah, it could possibly. Yeah, it's all messed up. But yeah. I guess if you're like the, the king of all the gods, then you can just have babies with whomever you want. So, to pair. It's all very <laughs> my, disturbing. my very long story yes. about mythology and, and, and the history of the gods. Um the oldest operating winery in Greece is Butari, and uh, they have wineries throughout um, all of the all of Greece, all of the islands of Greece. It was started in 1879. Um, it's and really kind of produces wines from each specific area. So in Santorini, they have a, a winery that's making Assyrtiko. They were started up in Neoso, which is where Xenomavro is is grown, which you know how much I love mm-hmm. Xenomavro. I like saying it. Um, the nice thing is they did sell to um, a larger company several years ago. They're owned now by Trelato, but the family is still very involved with Christina Butari. So kind of going back to our Wonder Woman and having a female reference in our, in our wine, Christina Butari is the face um, of Butari and the exports manager. She's the dedicated ambassador of the winery in the U.S., and she's just kind of awesome. I, I really um, had a chance to spend some time with Christina and think she's she's pretty wow. amazing. So, and and the wines from Crete in particular are Costa Folly, Montelaria, and Syrah mainly. Okay, um, Syrah I know about. The yes. other two I don't know. And they're they're the indigenous grapes of Greece. And this was one of the most interesting things I think um, about kind of traveling through throughout Greece and understanding what the 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 Greeks are trying to do with wine, how to get their wines out on an in- international level. And we had a lot of discussions, and I had traveled with both writers as well as, as psalms and buyers, and so it was a kind of an interesting uh, perspective from, from all of our different kind of, you know, input and counter, um, counterpoints that— we want to celebrate these indigenous varieties. You know, you can get you can get a Cabernet from you can get a great Cabernet that's affordable from from Bordeaux. Why is why are you Greeks trying to do something that you can find elsewhere? You know, embrace yeah. your indigenous varieties, celebrate those, make you know, grow great Xenomavro and Mavro Daphne and Costa Folly and Anasertico and and Moscolofirio. I mean, there's so many really, really interesting Greek wines that that it seems now, this was several years ago, and and we're seeing, you know, kind of the wines that we are importing into the US are embracing more of those actual indigenous grapes and 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 really understanding them. And so these from Crete in particular are very bold. They're big reds. Um, Syrah is often added just to add a little bit more texture and 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 um, color because sometimes the the wine will have a lot of tannin, but maybe no acidity, and so it's mm. often a blend or vice versa. And and really really lovely. And and where Butari's winery in particular is in Crete, it actually benefits from. 
from uh, some kind of the, the cool nights as well as warm days. So it's got the nice acidity with that great tannin. So what's the Greek wine we had? Was it last night? We had a we had an Assertico from Santorini. Which, delicious. Yeah, it was a really nice white. Really, it's a great summertime wine. Nice and crisp, nice and light, lots of, of kind of vibrant acidity to go great with seafood, go great with a hot summer day. You know what's great about thing. wine? You don't have to you don't have to source local all the time. <laughs> you know? Well that's the And that, that bottle was made over there and traveled halfway around the world and we drank it at our table in East Texas. And yet and yet there's also, you know, hundreds of years ago, this is what I think is so amazing. Yes, we got to drink that that wine. Last night, but they were drinking that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah. That that wine goes back. That the origins of of the wines from Crete, from Greece, from from you know Croatia and Slovenia, like all of these regions, they have been growing grapes for centuries. And we still get to enjoy them today. I think that's what makes it. That's what makes wine so much fun. That's the story. That's the passion. That's the history of it. And I loved kind of this whole reference just to to. You knew five minutes into that movie what you were going to. I was about. so excited. <laughs> and I'm just going to say right now, you're Wonder Woman. You are. Baby. You're amazing. Maybe. When we come back on Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, some of our guilty pleasures as we watch television together and drink wine together, and it can be good or bad or cheap or expensive. After all, it's a guilty pleasure. (laughs) And we will be right back. I think I figured out, I'm going to jump in. I figured out who Dionysus was. So Zeus had that child with his granddaughter. Oh, that oh, that's even more disturbing. That's just terrible. Sorry. That's okay. Gary, are we back? We're back on Wine and Film, A Perfect Parent. By the way, this is our 48th episode. And after reviewing well over 100 films and an equal amount of wine, let's take some time out and talk about guilty pleasures. And that can be good or bad, or even in between. It doesn't matter because they're guilty pleasures. And it can be wine, and it can be—we're going to talk specifically about some television shows that we record and we watch with very odd fascination. (laughs) This one on the Bravo Network, and it's called Below Deck. We love Below Deck. We we get giddy when it pops up. Because Chef Ben (laughs) reminds us of our— very, very dear, wonderful friend, Chef Andrew, that that cooked on a boat. He cooked on a yacht for, for many, many he years. He cooked on a big yacht for years. And and he's Australian, and he's fantastic, and he's got a great accent, and, and he just makes us giggle. And it's like they can order anything they want. <laughs> yes. These people get on this yacht, and they you know they have a wish list that they send in in advance. But I remember when Andrew was cooking on the yacht, it was lobster and foie gras. Everything. And it was, I mean, it was everything in the world, and great wines and all this stuff. But Bravo's, uh, this, this show uh, chronicles the lives of the crew members who work and reside aboard uh, what we call a mega yacht during charter season, the, the, and it deals with their personal issues in order and their professional work as they interact with the people that rent the boat out. We don't really know how. I it love works. you got some factoids on below deck. Well. <laughs> And by the way, I think we're in the like fifth season, fifth season of it. Well, and, and, and then the spinoff yes. is Below Deck Mediterranean, Mediterranean, where some of the same people go work the same crew. And half these people are just train wrecks. Yes. They're working on a boat. They shouldn't be. They have issues. They have so many personal issues. They sleep in a very tiny space, 
two to a room. They live so close together. They don't wear a lot of clothes. They have to get dressed up on opening night and closing <laughs> closing morning. You know, and, uh, and there's but, lots of theme nights. But you see, you see what parts of uh, the Greek islands right, look like or the right. Mediterranean looks like. And they're in like. Croatia right now they're in the Mediterranean. Cro- and you, I'm kind of fascinated it's by that. Amazing. So, but it is a guilty pleasure. It's a guilty <laughs> pleasure because I'm the first to admit that as I watch Below Deck, that is not good television. No. It, it's it's not good television. No. And uh, every once in a while, you have to have something that you just don't care about. Right. That you don't have to you chew. To, you don't have to chew on whether it's appropriate in the world. Or I need not. to just turn my brain off for a minute. And every and I think there are so many shows. There, there's a lot of opportunities to turn your brain off. Right. And there's a lot of opportunities to turn your brain on because television's in really a great shape right now. Right. But there's junk, and then there's just weird stuff like Below Deck that yeah. we watch. And and we always crack a bottle of wine. Yeah, of course we when do. When we watch Below Deck. Of course we do. It's not, I mean, I will say when we watch the Mavericks go to the the to the finals mm-hmm. and actually end up winning the NBA championship several years ago, that was a very fun series to watch because every single night that we watch another game, the wine got better. Oh. So, so we... Well, we had this thing. We'd watch it in our pajamas yes. with our dog. With our Mavericks t-shirts With on. our Mavericks shirt on over our pajamas. And <laughs> if they win the next game, the wine has to increasingly get better every game. Yes. And they went all the way and won the NBA championship. Yes. So by the end... We were drinking good stuff. We are drinking great stuff. <laughs> and Yoda was howling. So what's a guilty... What's, what's a guilty pleasure for you? But see, I look at... I don't know if I if if I almost feel sometimes bad about opening a really good bottle. So I wouldn't. You like, feel guilty? Yes, I feel guilty about it. So I don't. But then I still enjoy it. But because there's not like like there's not a wine that I like hide and say, "Ooh, I, I shouldn't be." Like I'm I'm not I'm not secretly drinking barefoot on the side. That's not a guilty pleasure for you. Usually for you, it's a really it's good bottle really great. and you feel like, guilty about drinking yes, it. Yes, like because, because I don't know if I, you know, like I shouldn't be drinking this on a random Tuesday. I should hold it for a special occasion. And you feel guilty because you think it should be a special occasion. Or or I never know, like, is this the right time to open it? Because especially with some of these these great old world reds, like a bottle of Barolo needs so much time to yes. really mature properly in the bottle that if I open it too early, is it, would I have missed the perfect flavor? Or gosh, what if I wait too long? That that then you know it's on the downside of 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 greatness, and so it's it's always this this struggle. So we have a different view of guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. We have a completely opposite. Well, view. but I would say like like a Real Housewives show, and okay. I'm only specific in my Real Housewives. I only like three of them. Um, I like I like Orange County. <laughs> I like Beverly Hills, and I like New York. Um, those are, it's like, it's not something serious. It's not like I watch this and say, oh gosh, I wish I could be these women. There's nothing about it that makes me want to aspire to to, to the Real Housewife greatness. Not at all. But they are really kind of funny. And it just, it just, it's something I can, I can watch. I can work. I can, I can do, I can multitask doing 19 other things while that's on in the background. And that's the kind of like, okay, I can just. It's so just, if I'm out for the evening and you're home by yourself and you're going to catch up on episodes of The Real yes. Housewives of Beverly Hills, yeah. would you open a Barolo by yourself? I No, because I'd want you to share it with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, but I might open a bottle of champagne. Yes. Because I know one that 
that's something that I probably enjoy. Like, I know yeah. you like a, a good glass of champagne, but probably not as much as I do. So that's something that, that I would enjoy. And, and I do love a good bubble. And, and I think of every wine that we have in, in our cellar when I, when I think about like opening, like what's the, if there's a guilty pleasure wine that I'll, I'll not feel bad in opening, it's probably bubbles because mm. I think I've almost drilled it into so many people during our discussions and everything that don't wait for that special occasion to open a great bottle of champagne because every day, every day deserves yes. a bubble. What's your other guilty pleasure? Oh, for television, yes. it's the Bachelor I know and the Bachelorette, <laughs> and I, I will, den- I, I will deny, Kogel I will deny right now that we're having this conversation. And Bachelorette, I'll take the high road on a movie. <laughs> but oh my gosh, these people are such train wrecks, and it's television that you talk back to. I don't know if that's c- correct yes. word usage, but I will yell at the television and yell at the people on the television while I, I will talk nonstop during the Bachelor. You people are idiots. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Don't go out with him. He's doing wab, boom, blah, 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 whatever no, that. Don't give that, don't don't, give that don't. man any. I don't want to no, give that guy no, any. No, no, kick him off the show. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like all the anxiety of it, but I watch it. <laughs> now, you know what a wine guilty pleasure is for me? Huh. I think it's Silver Oak. Huh. And Silver Oak's expensive. Yes, it, it can is. be. It's over $100 a bottle if you're going to drink that Napa. Napa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it has a little age on it, I really, really love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, I'll i never forget buying a case mm-hmm. of 95 Silver Oak nice. when I was working in Seattle Gary in Kogel. 97. <laughs> and I think I bought them for about $12, $15 a bottle. Wow. Or no, you can 20 done. bucks a bottle back was then. Was it Alexander? It had to be Alexander Valley. Maybe. Maybe it was. But yeah. I remember buying a case of it real cheap at a grocery store. And, and when I finally got to my last bottle of 95, I realized I'm drinking some pretty good stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, no, and, and I I think, think Silver Oak gets a knock because it's so, I don't know what it is. It's, I, it's kind of one of those wines that's almost out there too much, but it is. It's definitely a corporate wine that, that a lot of, a, a lot of, that's become the standard. It's, it's of a corporate a, wine and it's a guy wine. Yeah. And it's become the standard of a lot of steakhouses. It, and it is. And you know, but I, I'll drink a Napa Silver Oak and be very happy. I love their sister wine, Twalmy. I think that there's some very, um, it, it's, it maybe isn't always the first wine that I go to, but sure, if you want to give me a glass, no, I'll and, drink it. And one thing I know about you, and I'm not going to blow your cover on this, but you love little boutique wines. I do. And that's not Silver Oak. No. And when our first trip together to Napa, where did you take me? I took you to Silver Oak. You took me I to Silver Oak. Yeah. yeah. We had a great tasting. We had, and, and we've had, uh, we've had yeah. lovely experiences with them. Didn't we drink a bottle at dinner that night? We did at um, Rudd. You were, yes. You were so patient. That would <laughs> no. never be your choice. Well, it just, I, I do. I like, I like to find the guy that's, that's off the, yeah, off the main drag. I, I want to I find somebody who, that's a story maybe that I don't know already. Yeah. How's that? You would drink a Roca. Absolutely. At dinner. Yeah, yeah, or a La Hota, or, or a La Hota. yeah, or something yeah. that that um, or Viator, or and a I Lale must or, I must have yeah. been back then when we were first dating. So obvious, big smile on my face. I'm in wine country. <laughs> I'm going to drink Silver Oak. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, and you you used to also love a really big buttery Chardonnay. I used to, and and I think, and you know what? If it's the middle of winter and I'm cold, it's like the perfect wine to to warm you up. Every once in a while, it's a warming white wine. Yeah, but I think I turned to you in the car the other day and just looked at you and slyly said, "I like French style now." (laughs) I like the more dry French style shards now. You're, you don't like as much oak, which which I think is good. That's true. 
Yeah. It, but I think it's all about it's all about timing and it's all about about circumstance and and where you are and what you're you're doing. I think some of those really big, intense, over the top Chardonnays are great, especially if you're having dinner. That's a great food wine, but maybe not just to sit on your patio and enjoy in in warm Dallas weather. Right. No, the bi- it's a butter bomb. Mm-hmm. Some of them are big butter bombs. And I'm just going to say it again, like we're in the car. I've kind of gone French stuff. You're you're a little you're a little lighter. You like things a little steelier. Okay, so it's uh, it's below deck. It's the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, and it's also the Housewives. And I will sit guilty pleasures and watch and recite every episode, every word of every episode, all day long of, of any Sex in the City from the television series. From the series out there, it doesn't matter what season. I know them all. You know the I'll next sit. line. I you will. can turn on the TV. I can look at you, and in about five seconds, you'll blurt out the next line. I, I love my Sex and the City. Isn't that great? It's well, that's great. a good guilty pleasure. And lucky for me, there's usually a network that, that, is, that is showing it nonstop. I think it's running at some point 24 hours a day. <laughs> I think it is. Somebody yeah. figured that out. Well, coming up next week on <laughs> Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, uh, Tom Cruise is back. You know they're remaking Top They're going to do a sequel to Top Gun. I heard yeah, that, that's, yes. That's down the line. But he's back on the big screen in a big budget. Looks like a reimagining of The Mummy, and I'm kind of there. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of there. I hope it's good. It's starring, co-starring uh, Russell Crowe and the great Courtney B. Vance, who nice. I think is a wonderful, fabulous actor. Nice. But for more on the film, Wonder Woman, and more on, on this lovely wide greet, uh, check out our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas and Court. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.